0: So last week I took my kids out for some back to school shopping and guess what? I treated myself too. Yes, although I'm not the one who's going back to school, I did some back to scrubs shopping because I deserve it and you deserve it too as a healthcare worker. So what I have on right now are the most comfortable scrubs ever. I have on my women's graphite Katarina, one pocket scrub top and my women's graphite Yola high-waisted scrub pants. They're cute. They're comfy. They move with me and anti-fluid repellent. Hello, in the ICU, fluids are flying everywhere, especially as you're emptying those drains. Listen, get you some too. Figs are essential to your wardrobe. So throw away those boxy, itchy scrubs, the ones where you take them out and they have like a permanent crease. You look like a paper cutout wearing them. Make sure to visit wearfigs.com. That's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com. Go there, check them out, and listen. Save 15% off your next purchase by entering the shopping code, nurse Alice. Hey, get ready to love your scrubs. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice presented by nurse.org where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello friends and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner. And on today's show, I am responding to a nurse, a new grad nurse named Jimmy who sent me a message on DM asking for some tips and some help on how to prepare to float. Looks like he hasn't floated yet, but he sees the writing on the wall, he's off orientation, he's completed all his competencies, and he is really up for floating if the time comes. And he's been seeing his colleagues floating and some of his other new grad colleagues already floating. So he's like, shoot, let me get ready, what do I need to know? So I'm gonna help him out with some tips. And uh, before that, speaking of tips, make sure you check out nurse.org. Visit their website. They have tons of tools and tips, anything and everything about nursing that you would possibly want to know. Again, if it is not on that website, it probably doesn't exist. So make sure to visit nurse.org and as well, follow them on social media. Okay, so Jimmy, this one's for you. Well, for everybody really. Gosh, we've been there. I'm thinking back to the times that I floated and how do I feel about that initially? And I have to say, I think for most of us, We weren't initially fond of floating, just not. Because when you're hired on for a job, you're hired to work on a particular unit. So you do your orientation, you do your training, you do your competencies on that particular unit. You learn the layout of that unit. Like, I don't know how many times I got lost on my home unit the first couple of weeks I was working there. But you learn where everything is. You memorize all the codes to the doors, right? Soil, utility room, med room, the break room, all those things, you learn which bathrooms to use, which bathrooms not to use, and when. You learn the people that are associated with your unit. So perhaps there's a particular case manager, a pharmacist, or PTOT or respiratory therapist that's frequent your unit. You feel good about that. You learn what time, or for the most part, what time the teams are coming around to do their rounds, so you know them. Also learn about, okay, progressive rounds. This is what time... We as nurses have to do our rounds and this is what time the manager usually comes and she's going to go look at those whiteboards around this time. You kind of just learn the flow, the lay of the land and the flow. And you also learn the idiosyncrasies. You know which door you need to kind of wiggle a little bit differently to open up the cabinet that you kind of just got to pop open because it doesn't really open right. Just the little things, right? That makes it comfortable. You know where the crash card is, right? You know where the cold blue buttons are. You know, all of the things, what time the tray comes, all of those things. And so it makes your job easier. And when you can anticipate those things in your schedule, you know how to do your workflow. You know what things you got to work around and what things that like, ah, this happens at this time. I have to make time for this. So you can plan your day. And usually you're also familiar with that patient population. So for example, you might work on a cardiac observation unit, or you might work in L&D, Or you work in pediatrics, so you develop a specialty, right? A specialty knowledge that goes beyond your core basic nursing stuff. And then as well, you're also within a level of care. So there's critical care, there's med surge, right? There's outpatient. So there are things about those levels of care that you need to be familiar with. So for example, if I work on a tele-unit, I may know that within tele-units, I can only give these certain medications at a max drip rate of such and such. After that, they need to go to step down or ICU, right? You know that because that's the area of nursing that you work in. So cool, cool beans, right? We love it. When you're comfortable, you're knowledgeable, you're signed off on competencies, hey, there's nothing you can't accomplish. You are a bomb nurse. Yes, you are. Now, the thing is, sometimes staffing gets in the way of you being great. It really does. So like in Jimmy's situation, he said that he works on a cardiac observation unit. Okay, cool. He's been oriented to all of those things. He's been trained on certain procedures, like what is a cardiac catheterization? What does that really entail? What's the post-care like? The different procedures, the stress tests, the echoes. Like he started to become familiar with the diagnostic tests that are typically involved in his patient's care and the things that they do. But many people have been floated to a sister unit, which is their neurotelly. Now, for the most part, telly speaks to the cardiac monitoring that needs to occur and the other cardiac considerations that occur with a particular level of patients and also maybe the frequency of vital signs and stuff like that. However, he's like, neuro, I'm not a neuro nurse. I don't know, like, I don't know how to do these things. I mean, I took, I did the NIH class, but I don't remember it. Like, I don't know how to do those things. And so he's worried, he's bugging out. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be safe over there. And here's the thing, shimmy, you're gonna be just fine floating. I promise you're gonna be just fine. Let's talk about some things that you need to know when it comes to floating. Because when you're hired, you're hired for a particular unit, but you have a core set of competencies that for the most part are transferable to another unit. Cardiac observation, neurotelly, I know they sound like heart and brain, two different things, but if you can keep the heart healthy, you can keep the brain healthy. If you keep the brain healthy, you can keep the heart healthy. There are commonalities in the types of patients you'll see. You'll likely see many of the same providers as well on your unit, but what's different is you get over to the neuro unit, they might do things a little differently. Same outcomes, but they do things a little bit differently. Their routine's a little bit different. Their unit's set up a little bit different. Their codes are different. The crash cart's in a different place. So these are all things that you need to be familiar with. If it's your turn to float, and let me say this, who does float? When another unit is short staff, they'll try to float staff within the hospital to accommodate for that before they pull on travelers and PRN registry staff. Now travelers are kind of expected to float, right? But sometimes they don't float. They have different things that they say in their contract, but usually they look for volunteers to float. Usually there's someone who says, oh, I'll float, I'll go. But if not, there's that dreaded float book. It's a book that has everybody's name in it and the last time they floated. And eventually it will get to you and it'll be your turn to float. And then you'll have to float. Can I float to any old unit? No, you can't. Not necessarily. You need to make sure that wherever you're floating to, you have the knowledge, the competencies, and the skill sets to go to that area. So, if you're on the cardiac observation unit and you're floating to the neurotelemetry unit, for the most part, you probably can float over there, right? You might need a help with a few things, which we'll get into in a little bit. But for the most part, core competencies, same level of care. Now, let's say I am a med surg nurse. Can they just float me to ICU? For the most part, no. Now, I know the pandemic, they did some things, right? They were floating med surge nurses to ICU and having an ICU nurse manage the drips. I question the safety of that, but in a pandemic state of emergency, we just had to do what we had to do. But for the most part, no, med surge nurses should not be floating to ICU. Shouldn't do that. And in fact, the standard of floating, all this will be different, check your facility and you know your policies and stuff like that. But most places will float to a either within the same level of care, or to a lower acuity area. So if I'm a tele nurse, I can generally float to another tele type of unit, or I can float to med surge, right? Or I can float to an observation unit type of thing. So med surge nurses, or even tele nurses, not necessarily floating up to ICU. Doesn't happen that way. Can the ICU nurse float to tele and med surge? They could, but some facilities actually have guidelines in place where ICU and ER nurses they float to each other. So, got to check out what your hospital's facility procedures and policies are on floating. So you want to look at the level of care. And again, do you have the core competencies to safely provide care on that unit? So let's get to that. So let's say, Jimmy, you're on the cardiac observation unit. You're floating to that neuro unit over there, right? Neuro tele. for the most part, right? Everyone's on telemonitoring. So you know, you got to look at your EKG strips at least every four hours, vital signs every four hours. And, you know, you know how to do an assessment. You know how to give meds. You know how to look at labs and radiology tests, you know, communicate with physicians. All of those things you already know how to do. So you have the core skill set. Now, there's some idiosyncrasies. The unit layout might be a little bit different. The codes to the door might be a little bit different. They might do their rounds at a different time than what you do on your unit. Their trays might come a little bit different. Their CNAs there might be able to do blood sugars where on your unit, they can't. And there might be skills that they do more of there that you're not as accustomed to. So let's say if you're, I'm using cardiac tele as an example. If you're on a a unit and your patient just came from a post-cardiac cath and they have a trans radial, a TR band on their wrist as a pressure device post-procedure, hey, maybe you know how to use that device, right? You know how often you have to do the vital signs, how much air to release and what signs and symptoms of what to look out for and how to document those things. The neuro nurse who float to your unit may not know those things, just as if you're on that type of unit and then you're floated to the neuro unit, you might not be as familiar with the NIH scale and the scoring. So you got to look that up again. But there's the thing. I'm pretty sure that within your levels of care, there are some shared skill sets that some competencies, maybe it's a health stream that you buzzed on through, but for the most part, you guys have the same core competencies. But let's just say, I didn't go to the NIH class. I don't have the certificate. I didn't do that. I I wasn't there that day type of thing. Well, that's something that you need to speak up about because unless we know for sure that you don't have it, it's assumed that you do have it. So you need to talk to the charge nurse before you float over there. And if they say, you know what, Jimmy, there's no one else, it's your turn, you gotta go. Then you need to communicate with the charge nurse over there when it comes to assignments because maybe they'll alter the assignments and give you a patient load that is more aligned with your skill set and your experience, which would be great. And in a rare occasion, it's not. You may just be partnered up with a peer on the unit or the nurse may help you with a particular device if you know push comes to shove and there's no one else to do it. So these are the things that come with floating to another unit, which, by the way, if you are someone who has considered traveling, being a travel nurse, floating is the best way to prepare yourself. It really is. So People are afraid of the unknown. They don't like the unknown. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't know what on the unit. They don't want to eat by themselves type of thing. And, you know, you kind of feel like a lone wolf, but you're not a lone wolf when you float. This is the perfect opportunity to expand your knowledge and to make new friends out there. So let's look at this as like baking a cake. I know how to bake a cake in my kitchen. I know the, the ingredients. I know how to make a really yummy cake. Okay. But now I'm being asked to make a cake at somebody else's kitchen. Okay. Well, cool. Cool. Okay. It's a kitchen. It's going to have a refrigerator. It's going to have a stove. I'm going to have utensils and the ingredients there. So let me see. I like to use a stainless steel bowl in my kitchen. However, okay. They got a ceramic bowl, but Hey, it does the job. I'm going to open the refrigerator, look for their ingredients. I might use non-fat milk. Hey, they use low fat milk. Okay. Close enough. We can get it done, but you get where I'm going, right? Things might be a little bit different, but for the most part, they're the same. And so you get to whipping up this cake, you know, you're going to put in the oven, You're going to cook it for a certain amount of time and voila, your cake's going to come out. Same thing with floating and taking care of patients. Not to say that taking care of patients is as easy as baking a cake. It is not. However, some of the core things that you will do as a nurse on your unit are similar to the things that you'll need to do on the other unit. Little things you got to work out, but hey, you can do it. Find out what the codes are. Learn the layout of the unit. Make friends with staff there. And I loved doing that, by the way. Let me just tell you, I was the nurse. After I got over my fear, I jumped into it. I was like, hey, this is not as bad as what I thought. And I made friends all over the hospital, all over the hospital, guys. And I loved it because you know why? When I needed to borrow that bladder scanner, I had no problems. Like my colleagues were like, hey, we can't, they're, they're using the bladder scanners. busy. Hold on, watch this, watch this. And then I come back with the bladder scanner. They're like, how'd you do that? Because they're my buddies up there. I floated there last week. They know who I am. So they were cool with me. So, but we got to bring it back. So hurry up and use it so I can bring it back. So, I mean, it really is to your advantage. You learn so much. I mean, I was also someone who, I wanted to be the best cardiac nurse in the world and I'm claiming it. So if you feel like you are, that's good for you. But I think I'm the best cardiac nurse in the world. And one of the ways I was going to do that was to step out of my comfort zone to learn things, not just read it, not just watch a book, but actually do the damn thing. So I needed to go out to different units, different areas and see all of the different ways to skin a cat. And by the way, there was no skinning a cat done in this in this podcast. No animals were hurt. I'm just using that as an example. So that's really one of the things that helped prepare me when I decided to travel. And when I decided to go back for more education and grow into a leadership role, it really helped me to resonate with staff. And so while leadership often this is what we're going to do. In my head, I'm like, mm-hmm, this is what we say we're going to do, but this is really what's going to happen at ground zero. And because I had that connection to my bedside peeps and I knew all of the different workarounds, it helped me to be a better leader and to anticipate those workarounds and create a process and a structure that worked for the nurses. Now, when it comes to floating, you may float to your sister or brother unit within your level of care. Some people actually float to different hospitals Still the same level of care, but a different hospital. So those are things that you got to consider too. But when you get to a unit, the first couple questions that I would ask, very, very important for me, where's your bathroom? Where's the break room? Where's a crash cart? What are the codes and where are the med room and supply room? And who is the charge nurse? Key important things. If I knew that, I could get through anything. Because what's going to happen? You know, you got to go there. You're going to get report. Now, just be on the lookout. Maybe they're doing a report at the bedside. Maybe they're doing a report in the conference room. Like, I don't know, but get report, get report somehow. You're smart enough to get report. You got to figure it out. And sometimes it takes for you like to be hunt your, your nurse down, but they're not going to leave without giving you report. Somebody's going to give you report. Also ask like, Hey, how do y'all do lunches or breaks here? Right? Is there a break nurse? Does a charge nurse relieve you? Do you have a buddy? Do you relieve each other? Like know what those things are because that's important, right? Who doesn't want to go on a break again? Bathrooms which bathrooms are for the patients and which ones are for the staff and which ones are the bathrooms that I can go number two in and not have to worry about anybody looking at me crazy. Like where are those bathrooms? Where's the code blue button? And ensuring how long your shifts are. Now, while you should anticipate if you're floating from unit, sister unit should be the same amount of hours. Some things might be a little bit different. I heard of one facility where most units, they started their shift at seven person got floated to a unit where they actually started their shift at 645. And so they ended 15 minutes earlier as well. So know what those things are. And then also ask your pay questions like what unit code do I use here? You know, which unit do I charge? Is there a separate sign-in book that I have to fill out? And who approves overtime if I get caught over, if I miss my lunch or miss a break? Who is that person? So you'll want to know what those things are. So this is what you need to know if you are the person floating. Now, if you are someone who is a charge nurse or in a position to float someone else, when it comes to floating, there should be some considerations for who gets floated. I just want you all to hear this part because this might be the part that you don't know about that happens behind the scene. If you've ever been into a staffing room, like when they're preparing staff for the next shift, like if you're a charge nurse, you go to the staff meetings, staff meetings and stuff like that for or the staffing meetings, I should say. But they're gonna look at, okay. Who has admissions and discharges? How many nurses are on? How many travelers do we have in-house? Who can float? And do we have any registry available? So they are looking strategically at, you know, and who's going for surgeries and stuff like that, trying to anticipate the care so they can properly staff the unit, looking for the right person with the right skill set to be in the right place. Now, sometimes we can only do what we can do because while there is a, a whole float department, most hospitals have that, sometimes those float nurses... They're usually required to have more than one specialty. So I know many, like, for example, ICU, ER, and then they float to surge. Okay, but on that particular day, maybe all of the float nurses who can float to your sister neuro unit are in either an ICU or an ER because they had to be floated there because that's where they were most short-staffed. So that's why you, Jimmy, had to float to the neuro unit, right? Because there's no one in the float department who could do that because they were used elsewhere. Sometimes that's considered. Now, I mentioned that float book earlier in the in the show, Yes, there is a float book. However, you as a charge nurse, and I worked with my, when I did charge, and then as a CNS, when I would work with my charge nurses on this, we would look at, okay, what is the, the skill set of the people who are going to be on? Are they all new nurses? Do we have experienced nurses? What's going on? Because if it was the experienced nurse turned to float, but a majority of my staff were new grads, I'd say, oh no, that person can't float. I need my experienced nurse here to help support my new grad staff. So let's look at who's next in line that we can float because I needed that resource on the unit. Also, let's say it's the new grad nurse's turn to float. They just completed orientation, all their competencies, and they've just made the eligible to float list. But perhaps because I've been overseeing their orientation, they're not quite there yet. Their, their time management, their documentation, you know, that there's something that they can still work on before they float, because I wouldn't wanna send them somewhere else to drown. So I'm gonna say, oh, you know what? Mm. Let's not float Jenny just yet. I know she's off orientation stuff, but let's work on her time management and documentation today. Actually, let's work with her on that today so she can be ready to float next time and let's float someone else. So those are the things that should be considered uh, when it comes to floating. It's not just an FTE, oh, you float just like a, a body. It should not be. I know it feels like it sometimes, but I just wanted you guys to know that should be happening on the back end while you're just like, I don't wanna, they're floating me and I don't wanna float. Usually that's because we really didn't have a choice but to float you and you were the best person to float. And in fact, we feel confident and secure in your skill set and knowledge that we trust that you will do well in another unit. So look at it as a good thing. Don't look at it as like, oh, they're trying to get rid of me. No, think of it as like, you know what? They thought that much of me that they thought that I could go somewhere else and excel. That's great. And you guys, let me say this about the perks of floating. Some places, they pay their float nurses more. Some places, you know, as the float nurse, you may go to another unit and you're like, oh, I kind of like it here. Oh, really? And you learn that their practices and their procedures or their people might be nicer than what you have on your own unit. And then if you're someone who's like, you know, I want the experience of this particular area, you may be the cardiac nurse, like, but let me go to neuro and work on my neuro skills. You might float to the neuro unit Get some experience under your belt enough where, again, like most people who who float are preparing for traveling, you know, let me get this under my belt to say that I could do this. I've know it. I've seen it. I've done it. So I could feel more comfortable when I do take a travel assignment. But you might get out there and be like, let me just do this neuro thing for a little bit. But then you have the luxury of going back to your home unit. See? See how that works? You get a taste of it, but you can come back home. It's like babysitting, but you can drop the kids back off. So there are some pros to floating. I know there are some cons, but hey. You're a nurse, you're resilient. You have core nursing skills and competencies. And listen, you are the best advocate for yourself and for your patients. So if you believe you're going into a situation that may be unsafe, this is your opportunity to speak up and you should speak up. This is not the time to fake it till you make it, not at all. If you feel that you are taking an assignment that is unsafe, let's make it distinguish this here. Unsafe, meaning there's potential for harm or mistake. If you are a nurse and you have gone through a competency and a training for a particular device or medication, but you haven't actually had the opportunity to do it in practice, perhaps you can still take that assignment with some guidance and support available to you. Versus you are a nurse who's never gone to the class, never touched the device, never seen the device, don't even know what the device is to even be talking about a device. You are probably someone who is at higher risk for managing a device or medication that you've never seen. So if I have two people like that and I don't have any choice but to pair one of those folks up with a patient who has a particular device or medication, it's gonna be the nurse who's at least gone to the class, knows what it looks like, and then just provide them some added support. It's like having someone start an IV. You know what an IV is, you've gone through all these things. Okay, you can do this versus someone who's never even managed the needle, any of the supplies to even know what to do or how to do it. I know, sometimes you're gonna float and you're gonna get an assignment that you're like, I really don't like this. I'll say this, trust yourself. Is it really that you are completely unsafe or you're just like a little nervous because you've, you've not really had the opportunity to do it? All of those might feel like they're the same. If you can have some support there and you can lean back onto your core competency and knowledge and skill sets, you can do this. You can do this and this is a way to grow. Think of all of the butterflies that started off as caterpillars. You think it was easy? Developing into a butterfly, you don't think that there were some uncomfortable moments in that cocoon and in all that darkness? There were, but I promise this too shall pass. This is one shift in your career of many shifts of nursing. And this doesn't just apply to inpatient. This is going to apply to outpatient settings as well, going from different specialties. Now, when we talk about safety and competencies, I talked about things that we can do to safely support you as you float to another unit now if you are a nurse a med surge nurse and you're being floated to like pediatrics an area in which you have like no clue about that is an assignment you can refuse because you're like listen i don't have the competencies signed off i haven't had the orientation i don't know this this or that and you you know there should be some given some consideration they should find someone else to float but until you speak up there might be some confusion they might think like oh that doesn't that nurse know how to do, you know, float to that area? Because there are some, you will have some colleagues who work with you. Like, for example, maybe you're on a med surge unit and you have a colleague that's floated to ER. You're like, oh my God, they're floated to ER. What the heck? But what you don't know is that your colleague used to work in ER before coming to your hospital and has that skill set and competency. And therefore, we're able to do that. Okay. So, Things are gonna look a little different on every unit. The most important thing is that we communicate. You communicate what your comfort level is, you communicate what your concerns are, and allow whoever is going to be supporting you the opportunity to communicate what your support will be on the unit. Alice, this is how I'm gonna support you while you're taking care of this patient after a um, cardiac catheterization. These are the things you need to know, and I'll teach you and I'll orient you through the process. We gotta help each other. We're not in this by ourselves. Every patient is your patient. We have to support and help and teach one another. I do this all the time. Whenever I'm working, if I'm taking care of something, I look around at who's in the room with me. I'm like, oh, hey, Jessica, Bill, have you guys ever taken care of a STEMI patient here in the ER? No, I've not done it. Can I watch? Oh, sure, more than that, come on. Let me walk you through this. Let me show you how this works. And I'm talking as I'm doing. Obviously, I'm letting the patient know that I have two staff that are gonna be helping with us in this care, I'm gonna talk them through the process so they're familiar when it's their turn. So I'm talking them through it, I'm helping them with little things, getting them acclimated to what that looks like, things that they can expect. So when it is their turn, they'll feel more comfortable because maybe they've gone through the class, they've done the competency, the test, but that test that you take really isn't a competency, that's a knowledge assessment. There's really a difference between a knowledge assessment and a skill and a competency. So the competency comes with practice. So just think of it as that way. Like you're going to another unit, people will support you and you're gonna gain this competency and this skill set. So I hope that helps, Jimmy. You won't know until you get there and try it, but let us know what you think. And even if your name's not Jimmy and you weren't, I know I'm talking to Jimmy because he sent me the message. However, anyone else, if you're listening to this, you know whether you're a new nurse or an experienced nurse let me know what your experience has been with floating what's worked what hasn't worked what recommendations would you make uh, to someone else who's getting ready to float we'd love to hear from you at nurse.org send us a message and then also share this podcast with someone okay make sure to subscribe rate and review it love your feedback your support has been so tremendous and it's helped to grow the show and i love it and it helps me identify the topics that are most important to you and that what you want to talk about. And believe me, if you want to talk about it, I'm sure there are hundreds, thousands of other people who want to talk about it as well. And so send me those questions. Send me those topics. And maybe you want to be a guest on the show. Let us know that as well. So guys, I am Nurse Alice. It's always a pleasure chatting with you guys. I hope this helps someone. It's helped me talking about this because I think it's important. We got to get more information out there and support our fellow nurses. And I wasn't picking on any new grads. I wasn't picking on any... Uh, nurses with, you know, not as many years of experience. Listen, these experienced nurses, sometimes they haven't floated in a while too. They get a little rusty too. We get a little rusty. So we all could benefit from this information, okay? We are in this together. You are resilient. You can get through this and this too shall pass. You will float and you will float flawlessly and with excellence. I'm pretty confident of that. So I'm Nurse Alice, you guys, until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.